Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at BreakpointPodcast7, Twitter at BreakpointPod7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Marcus, and my co-host, Frankie, who is not here with us today because he is probably sitting on a beach in a Greek island in the Mediterranean, eating some olives, some good fish, some feta, and enjoying his life. So it's just going to be me today taking over for the pod, but Frankie and I did exchange some messages this weekend on our thoughts. Uh, What an incredible, incredible Wimbledon that we had in final week that shaped up to be an epic weekend of matches. Um, there's not much more that can be said, but we're going to dive right into it. We're going to we're gonna discuss it all. So first, we're going to start off with the women. Incredible tournament on the women's side. Uh, one, surprisingly, I don't think anybody would have picked before the tournament to see Marchetta Vondrasova win the, the Wimbledon title. Yet another tall Czech lefty kind of reminds us all of Petra Kvitova. Um, she played a really, really solid tournament and and just kind of didn't really get phased by any of the, the you know, top opponents that she played by the stage that she was playing on. It was, you know, uh, not her first Wimbledon, but, you know, being at this level deep into this tournament, you know, with, with other great players like Iga and Sapalenka and Andre Boer and, and even Jesse Pagula in the quarterfinals is quite impressive for her to win, so... Um, big congratulations to her. It's nice to see someone from the outside, kind of the top seeds, win Wimbledon, especially on the women's side. She's the lowest-ranked woman to ever win Wimbledon uh, at, at 43 in the world. So that that already in itself is an amazing accomplishment. But, um, you know, the, the women's game is in a really, really good place right now. Uh, first, we have an amazing comeback from... Elena Svetolina, after the birth of her uh, child last year, she's back on the tour, absolutely rocking it, had a really good French Open, had an amazing Wimbledon, uh, defeated Iga Sviantek in the quarterfinals and lost to Taiwan to Vantrozova in the semifinals, could have maybe made that final there, would have been really cool to see, but uh, all in all, just really, really great effort from her and especially what's going on in her country at the moment. It's uh, it's really, really nice to see. And Frankie and I are definitely going to be rooting for her moving forward. In terms of some of the top players, Iga, again, you know, steady improvement here on her grass court performance, but not quite there yet. Uh, you could still tell this is not really a surface that exactly suits her. Uh, she had planned last offseason to train a little bit on grass. She might want to do that a little bit this offseason, but um, there aren't too many incentives to because the grass court season is so short. But she does want to become an all-around player and win this tournament one day. And I think that is possible for her because uh, she definitely can adapt her game to that. But right now, at the moment, it is quite 
quite difficult for her, especially when she plays someone with uh, a good amount of power, like a Svitolina, like a Sabalenka, who can kind of you know play really good first strike tennis on that fast, faster grass court and lower bouncing grass court. So really interesting to see her progression here at Wimbledon. Um, another, you know, a couple other women I'd really love to talk about is uh, Sabalenka is starting to really become a consistent force on the women's tour. It's really nice to see because she has the potential to do so. She's bona fide top two, top three player, make it semi-slams regularly. It's really nice to see that she's also fixed her serve quite a bit. So we're not seeing as many double faults. Uh, we're just seeing just some really, really good tennis from her. And, and just the consistency is also kind of nice to see. But for me, uh, fr- Frankie and I had this discussion. Um, I was really, really, really rooting for Anjabor. I had picked her in the midweek review to come out and win the tournament. Um, kind of on a leap of faith. But hey, she almost did it. I mean, she took out Rabakana and Sabalenka back-to-back. Um and theoretically could have won those matches even easier had she played a little bit better in those both of those first set tie breaks against each of those girls. But uh, Anjabor is just such an amazing inspiration for the women's game uh, and such an amazing player, especially on a grass court. Plays so nice and classy and has such a classical style that suits her game. It was just a little disappointing to see her fall short in the final, um, but I know that Anz is going to be back at Wimbledon and definitely win Wimbledon one day. So... You know, Frankie and I and everyone else is definitely rooting for Anjabor to win a slam. I think she will win one, but she's going to have some stiff competition because the women's game is getting more and more competitive, and I think that we are in an amazing spot uh, post-Serena era, and it's just a joy. It's an absolute joy to watch. In terms of the men's side, I mean, we... We asked for it, we all wanted it, and we got it, and it was more than what we could have ever hoped for. Uh, A Carlos Djokovic final, which I'll get into a minute. I would like to just briefly give some good shout-outs here. Uh, Christopher Eubanks, an amazing, amazing tournament for Chris Eubanks, making the quarterfinals at Wimbledon after qualifying, uh, lost in five sets to Daniil Medvedev. Fourth set tiebreak was super tight. Wish it would have gone his way. Would have been in the semifinals. Would have been an epic story. But overall, really, really great week from him. But the story of the tournament is is Novak and Carlos. Um, these two guys, even before the final, you know, Frankie and I were kind of messaging back and forth. Like we we generally know who to pick for these matches. And we always lean one side, even though we recognize that it's going to be an extremely tight match. But for this match, I think this was the first time that him and I genuinely just didn't know which way to go. Uh, we we just didn't know because both of them had been playing amazing tennis. They're both on the same level. I mean, they are in a class above everybody else. And we were just unsure because... I mean, as we saw, on, as it was proven to us on, on Sunday, uh, these two guys are, are just unbelievable, un, un, unbelievable, and it's amazing to see them finally go at it in a Wimbledon final. Uh, we had all hoped that Carlos would be able to hold up physically, which he did, uh, and, and that's part of the reason why he won the match, and I'm going to get into that analysis a little bit, but just an, an incredible match, and, you know, just just so, so good for the game when, when we get these two to play against each other. The match itself, 
between those two was super interesting because Novak comes out firing, win, wins that first set 6-1, and, you know, we all thought to ourselves, oh, man, you know, he, okay, Novak's got the experience at Wimbledon on the grass court. You know, Carlos, is he going to be able to make adjustments or will he be? Will it be too soon? Uh, maybe next time, you know, and, and that second set was starting to look a little shaky as well until it got closer every single game. Uh, throughout that throughout that second set, and then that tiebreak was really kind of a turning point when Carlos seriously turned it on there, and Djokovic made a couple errors, and then he ran away with that third, and then we were all thinking, okay, well, um, you know, this is this is going to be this could be a wash at this point because you know Carlos had just won a third six one, but then, as usual, Novak goes for his cocaine Novak break, comes out with a little bit of white powder on his nose. <laughs> and uh, and and puts up a a valiant fourth set effort per usual. You knew that he wasn't going to go away. He came out and made some adjustments, but overall, Carlos wins this match because he simply has too much firepower. And um, there aren't really any guys on the tour that 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 one can can beat Novak on a, on a regular basis, let alone beat him at all. And two, you either have to be incredibly stubbornly consistent and have, be on the right surface, which is someone like Daniil, why he's had some pretty good success against Novak at uh, at Grand Slams and on hard courts. But another way that you have to do it is if you just have the absolute firepower of the world and are able to not only just consistently use that firepower, but also have variety in your game like Carlos does with slicing and and drop shots and angles and improvement in his serve his serve has also tremendously proved within the last six weeks since coming onto the grass court so um he he really is kind of a, a blend of novak rafa and roger and i think frankie w- would agree with me there that he's got elements and characteristics from each one of those guys and it was just an absolute magnificent match to watch and um you know, some of the stats that really, really interested me was that in, in that fifth set, I mean, Carlos had, I think, like at least 14 plus winners and Djokovic had either zero or like maximal, you know, two. Uh, it That really shows you who who's taking control of the, of the points and why Carlos, why that one break for Carlos was so important uh, and why, you know, Djokovic realized that when he couldn't break Carlos's serve there after having some break points and ended up smashing his racket that he knew, you know, I'm screwed. Um, this guy is just too good. He's coming at me with everything, and he's taking absolute control of the match, which is why, you know, the, the, he he is kind of the the chosen one to, to come and stop, you know, Novak's uh, greatness, at least temporarily. You know, we've obviously got a couple more big tournaments coming up and and the u.s open but for now i mean carlos is clearly number one in the world clearly the best player in the world that's that's a hands down at the moment that can change in the upcoming months but for right now uh king carlos reigned uh outstanding performance and what really stood out to me was the with with carlos's game specifically was two things one his ability to adjust on the fly not only just his game, but also his his kind of mental awareness of what was going on. He stayed, remained very calm. He's somebody who usually likes to get jacked up a lot in between points. 
Um, he kind of conserved a little bit of energy there. He knew that he was going to be in for a long one, obviously almost a five-hour, five-set match. He knew that this was going to be an absolute dogfight and a battle. So he did a fantastic job of staying calm, cool, collected uh, with himself uh, in between points in order to save that energy to be used to play against Novak. And two, uh, physical adjustment. Now, last time he had played Novak, this was at Roland Garros, and as we all probably remember, that match was epic until Carlos unfortunately cramped. Now, that was on a clay court and was a little bit hotter, but still, uh, you should not really be be cramping at that level. And you know, Frankie and I called out uh, Carlos's team like that. That that can't happen. And. What do we see this time around? He, he managed his body a lot better. We didn't see any hiccups, any cramps. Uh, he was sucking down pickle juice on change events in order to get his electrolytes going and to you know, kind of maintain his game. And, and that was really, really nice to see because if he can maintain that kind of physical well-being and not get injured and not run into these cramping issues time and time again, because he is someone who's going to be prone to it because he plays a very high-energy, high-stress type of style um he he you know is going to be the king for the next 10 to 15 years barring the next few years maybe with Novak still having a say but after that I mean Frankie and I totally agree especially Daniil um because his matchup is really bad against Carlos but he does way better against Djokovic so he still has a chance but I mean, Stefanos and, and Jan, Yannick Sinna and, and Zverev and Rude and all these guys, I mean, they are in for a rude, no pun intended, but rude, rude awakening. Um, and especially the younger, that, that Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas generation is probably kicking themselves because they had a couple chances there to take out Novak and to win their titles. Sparov, you know, could have won the 2020 U.S. Open. Stefanos could have won the 2021 French Open. That is not going to happen. I don't think any of those guys will win Grand Slams. Yannick, I think it's going to take a really long time for him to develop and finally get one, a la Murray, in our opinions, but... Yeah, the rest of the tour, man. I mean, Carlos and Novak clearly on a different stratosphere than anybody else, uh, as highlighted also in those semifinal matches. So really, really looking forward to the next couple of weeks here. We've got a couple of Masters tournaments on the North American hardcourt swing, and then we'll have the U.S. Open coming up at the end of August. And Frankie and I just cannot wait, and we also are excited uh, to see what happens when these guys hopefully play each other again. So... Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Over the next few weeks, Frankie and I are going to be have a, having a little bit of uh, some non-tour related content coming your way, uh, similar to the episode that we released a couple of weeks ago, Dumb Rules and Tennis. We've got a couple of cool episodes coming up for you, a little bit off topic, something that the listeners have been wanting for a while, uh, not specifically tour related. So we're really excited about that to bring that content to you. So make sure to tune in, follow, subscribe on all major podcast and social media platforms we really appreciate all of you uh and your listenership so thanks again and see you next time